By all means, God has given everybody something to hold, a talent. God has given everybody a talent. It could be five talents, it could be one talent, it could be ten talents. God has given everybody something. So it is for you to identify what God has given you and hold on to it. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donkor. Today we have an awesome guest, awesome, awesome person. He's our Barrier Breaker of the month of January 2022. He's none other than my father. I had to bring him on here. He finally got to be on the podcast again. I think he's liking it. So he's here and I feel like seeing what he's been able to achieve is what has helped me be able to achieve some of the things I've achieved right now, especially with Barrier Breakers Corner. Before I spill all the tea, let him introduce himself. Father, please introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, my name is Caruthers Henry Donko. The Caruthers I respond to was given me by my father. He apparently worked with a colonial police commissioner. And according to him, when the police commissioner was going, my mother was pregnant and said, if I go, name your boy, or your, if it's a boy, name him after me. That's how I got my name, Caruthers. And incidentally, I thought I was the only Caruthers in Africa. And when I googled, there are lots of Caruthers that I know that popped up. But yeah, that's my name. And then added Henry because lots of people, old folks who are not educated or even educated, cannot pronounce the name Caruthers. Henry, to make it simple for people, who cannot say the Caruthers. I was born in Accra and I did all my schools in Accra. My father was a policeman and my mother was a farmer. So I was raised up in the police barracks. I did all my schooling in Accra. I went to a famous secondary school called Odogono Secondary School. And I went to Accra Teacher Training College. I did a teaching course there, taught for nine years. And then I went to Ghana Baptist Theological Seminary. 1988 through 1991, got married in 1987. After the seminary, I left and came to Gambia, 22. And that's where I've been for the past 29 years. And then I went to the University of Wales. I did my master's in theology, 1998 to 2000. And then I went to Tyndale Theological Seminary to do another master's degree, 2008 to 2010. Married with six girls, of which Joyce is one of them. That's what I can say about myself. First of all, I did not even know that you added Henry to your name just because people could not pronounce Caruthers. 
But we can pronounce Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you did so much in the past for someone who came from the village. Did you grow up in the city? No? Yeah, I grew up in the city. But I was going to the village every school vacation to help my mother. When did you move to the city in Ghana? No, I was born in the city. I was born in Accra. I lived all my life in Accra, but we were going, myself and my siblings, we're going to the village to help my mother in the farm. Oh, okay. We spent like maybe a month and come back for school and then go back every time and then we go there. Boarding school? Well, that was boarding school, right? In the city? Well, throughout day school, throughout. But when school vacates, we go to the village to help our mom. Okay. I wasn't raised in the village, but I was attached to it because I was going there every vacation with my brothers. This is very important. I actually thought that you grew up in the village and decided to move to no, the city no, no. because you didn't want to leave the village life. No. So as a young person, did you always want to have your own business or start a school or something? I was raised up in a situation where there was no hope for you and you have to create the hope for yourself. Because my father was not like uh, educated. My mom was not educated. Maybe they didn't know the value of education. When I finished my elementary school, we had 10 years in elementary school those days. I sat for the common entrance. So I took myself to school because I saw that my father would not be in a position to school me. Mm-hmm. So I took myself to school, picked up a garden job, many kind of odd job so I can pay my school fees. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did from form one to form five to go to school. And that's how I got educated. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been educated. Mm. I believe you used to tell us stories of how you walked barefooted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went the same school dates from my home to the school. It's within Accra, but it's not a walking distance. Yeah, so sometimes when I don't have money, I had to walk to school and take back. And then when I come back, I have to go to the garden to work for my boss. My boss was a Muslim, an Ahmadian Muslim. He was called Isifu Ali, and her wife was a Scottish lady. They treated me well, though. But the money they paid me for the five years, that's what I used to pay my school fees. These students, secondary school. Back to the previous question. Did you have an idea or think that you want to build a school one day or start your own business? Did you ever think of wanting to do that? Yeah. When I was in secondary school, they would bring forms for you to tell you what you want to do in the future. And all that I said is I want to be a pastor. I didn't think about any other business. But I wanted to be a pastor. So when I finished secondary school, I didn't go straight to do the pastoral work, went to the training college, and I told myself that after teaching, I may have an experience to share, and it would be better for me to go to a seminary and then have more experience. So all my mind, I want to be a pastor. What made you decide to be a pastor, though? Actually, I was active in the school scripture union group. When I got to Form 5, I was made the president of the scripture union. You know, so they look at your life, they look at what you're doing, and look at what you do. And they give you that position. So it all kind of sums up to what I want to do in the future. I see that most people who have been in leadership or the super union in Ghana or whatever it is, they have become other pastors or leaders in the church. A friend who took over from me is called Absolute is now the international mission director for Lighthouse Church in Ghana. Mm. Yeah, he lives in Namibia now. So that's how it is. Yeah, so it was through the SCU or a scripture union, that I had a vision of becoming a leader in a church. So my dad used to tell us a story of how he was a great footballer and what happened, because by now we'll be swimming in some dollars, millions of dollars. (laughs) 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 But when he had the desire to be a pastor, but what happened? What made you change that from being a footballer to, (laughs) like seriously? Yeah, I was a very, very good footballer, a very, very good one. 
But my father, incidentally, didn't like me to play football. Those days, they would detect to you what not to do. Don't play football, don't do this, don't do that, you know? They don't encourage you to do something. And mm-hmm. I was a footballer. And I was playing. So when I graduated to the middle school, I was still playing for the primary school. Oh, wow. Cheating on the guys. Wow. Because of your height. <laughs> yeah, I was my height. And I was playing for a town team called Real Writing. So they'll come and pick me up in a car and take me and play on a Saturday and come back. But when I got to secondary school, I stopped all that because I was working for my own school piece. So I wouldn't have time on the field to play. You know, those days we played for fun. We didn't play for money. Mm-hmm. And if I knew there was money in football, I would have left school and played for money. So my father too was discouraging me. Anytime he saw me play football, she would beat me. You know, that kind of thing, you know, so... It wasn't easy for me. So I chose the academic section part than the, uh, the sports part uh, section, yeah. Wow, that's great. So eventually you said you got married and you have six girls, which I'm number one. But what made you move to Gambia? That's a long story, but let me cut it short. It's like God wanted me to come to Gambia. It is not me who wanted to come to Gambia. Now, when I finished seminary in 1991, the polity in the Baptist church is that you must be called by a church. They don't post you. Mm-hmm. So they look at your height. They look at you and they think, ah, this man is too short. He cannot be a pastor. It's like they judge from the outside and not from the inside. So a lot of churches rejected me to be a pastor. But I think that as a plan of God, because from 91, when I finished 91, all my friends had a church to pastor except me. So I was just, you know, going from back and forth, back and forth. Didn't have a chair to go and everybody was worried. So my lecturer, one of our lecturers, who is still the head pastor at Calvary Baptist Church, mm-hmm. he had a letter or a Macedonia call from Gambia that they needed a pastor to pastor a church in Gambia. So he called me and said, look, this is a chance for you to leave this country to go and pastor a church in Gambia. So respond to the letter. It was in September, I got a letter. And then November, December, we came to Gambia. That's how I came to Gambia. So it wasn't like I really wanted to come to Gambia. But I saw it as God was preparing me to Gambia. So he brought all the chances for me to pass a church in Ghana or to go back to the teaching field because I made an attempt to go back to the teaching field. But God brought all the chances. Mm. Like, for instance, my former headmaster in the senior school was the director of education in Accra. So I went to him, Mr. E.A. Johnson. He knew me. I said, you are, you are in a position to put me back in the teaching system. He said, no, I can't help you. At the end of the day, I saw all of these blockades mm-hmm. as God blocking me to come to Gambia. So when the letter came for me to go to Gambia, it was just smooth like that. And we came to Gambia. I know when we moved to Gambia, I was four. We was two and Amy was six months. Yeah. How was the experience? What are the challenges before you even go in there? What made you start the school? Because now you are in Baptist Church, a small church in Old Joshuan. And mm-hmm. that's the only job that you had. You have a wife, you have three kids. What made you start the Global Baptist School? That's an important question. I believe with all my heart. And when God calls somebody, he prepares him before he sends him. Going back to Moses, God didn't just call Moses and ask him to go to Israel. He took his whole trip for 40 years. I saw that all the struggles I struggled in Ghana, God was preparing me to come to Gambia. I had it tough to go to school, very tough. I was paying my own school fees, I was struggling to learn, how to go to work, and so on and so forth. So I told myself, I prayed that God, if I ever pass a church anywhere, I want to start a school, 
put a child to school. It is not about the money. I don't care about the money. It's about putting somebody to school to have knowledge. Because if I didn't go to school, today I have two master's degrees. I got in any university, out from nothing. So if I didn't go to school, I will not be a benefit to anybody. Yes. But today I've been a benefit to many people. Some are doctors, some are lawyers, some are accountants, whatever. For a period of 29 years, we have trained more people who are now beneficial in the society. So that's my joy. So when I came to the Gambia, I remember I had a first meeting on the 4th of January, 1993, in my home with the church executives. And I told them that I want to start a school. There was one Jamaican who was working with WHO. He saw the vision that it was right vision. Then there were two American ladies who were also in a meeting. They were also on a board. You know them very well. They also supported it. Unfortunately, the Africans on the board, they didn't support the idea. So the Jamaican, the two Americans, they helped me. They come into your home. They helped me. We sat down, did all the plans. And that's how we started the school. Mm -hmm. So I told them that the school is not like, I want to make money. It's not the money. The passion is to see somebody going to school. Because school is a liberator. You can liberate somebody. And also, Gambia being a Muslim country, I want to leave a legacy for the church. Like, when well, day I will leave the country, the church will not suffer. Yeah. So if I start a school, one, it will help the school to train leadership for the church. Now, you can see that all the people who are in leadership, in the choir, in the pastorate, like Pastor Alex Yata, and so on and so forth, they all came to the school. Their parents were maids, trainers, armets, people who were not educated. Today, we have raised them to be educated, and they're leaders in the church. And also, secondly, I said, well, if the school makes more profit, it can help to develop the church. Yeah. So that when I am gone, the school can sustain the church. Because in Gambia, 96-97% of the population are Muslims. And only 3 or 4% are Christians. So if you don't think that the church can die, there will not be any support from anywhere. But if the school thrives, the school can help the church. And then the final one is the school can use the means to also spread the gospel, to help people understand who Jesus Christ is and so on and so forth, you know. That's why I did the school, not because I wanted money from me to buy or to make myself rich or whatever it is. No. Mm -hmm. Is a calling, and I believe that God has called me for that. And if I finish all these things and God decides to bless me, that's fine. I'm not going to just to get somebody to go through that's all. I was going to say that going back to being in Ghana and the doors being closed, sometimes God closes a door just because, like you said, he's preparing you for another door that he wants to open for you. Sometimes you are praying for something. You want to do something in your life. You want to get somewhere, and the doors are not opening just go back and ask God, like, where is it that you want to take me? And all these doors are, are closed. Like, for example, for me, in 2021, a contract on the job finished and I didn't have any other opportunities coming. And for me, my plan for that year was to have a permanent job because I've been a consultant for like three years. So just being on and off from one job to the other, I always had something going. But for 2021, for three months, I wasn't working just because I was looking for a permanent job so that you be consistent, you're there, and then you're not hopping from one place to the other. I got an offer for a job, but it wasn't going to be a permanent job. And it was also good paying. It was better than where I was before. But then I said no to the job. I closed that door myself. <laughs> but I also knew that that's not where God wanted me to be. And so as I prayed the night before, I didn't feel right about it. And I just canceled that job. But after that, it took another two months because actually it was a week after I just finished my contract job from the other one that I had this opportunity and I said no to it. After that, it took me three months. I applied, 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 interviews upon interviews. 
I was weak and it was so hard, but eventually this job came along and it's a permanent job. It's what I've been seeking for, looking for internal audit positions because I'm an internal audit consultant. That's my profession. So that was what I was looking for and I got it. And it was so great. It comes with all the benefits on holiday right now. (laughs) It's amazing just being still. It's not easy. It's hard. And I can imagine what you were feeling because you already have kids to take care of. Your wife is also there and not having a job at that moment. It's like, there is no income coming. What am I doing? And it's very, very stressful. But God is always watching. You just stay faithful. And also coming to start the school, there's always going to be a position when you want to do something with your life. There's always going to be a position when you want to take a step of faith in doing something. But if you believe that this is where God is calling you to go, just go for it. Because at the end of the day, look at the blessings that you are reaping. The school started in 1994? 1993, September. 1993, September. And now this is 2021. In 2023, it's going to be 30 years, the school? Yeah, it's 28 years now. 28 years now. Wow. So 28 years and there's so much that has been done from nursery to primary school to high school. And you even have an international school. That is amazing. 28 years later, look how far you've come. If you had listened to all those people's. Yeah all the people, what they were saying, you wouldn't be where you are today. And looking at even us, even though I went to university, well, I was a year ahead of the school. I was the only one you paid for school outside of New Baptist because I didn't go to New Baptist. But then imagine yeah. having six girls and having to pay school fees for all six girls. Oh yeah, it's quite huge. That would have been a struggle. Whatever you're doing now, you're going to reap the benefits. It's not easy in the beginning, but you reap the benefits later and it's going to be beneficial to not just you, but to everyone around you. So what are some of the challenges you face in this 28 years, pastoring and having a school at the same time? There are challenges, but I will not say challenges. Of course, every good thing you do is challenges. People have different opinions about things, but I believe sincerely that God called me to the Gambia for a purpose. I have to focus on the purpose. If God didn't call somebody, the person may not understand why God called you. So if you are not focused to your God calling you into a kind of an assignment, you may change your assignment and follow the people's assignment. Yeah. But I know that God has called me into a specific assignment. One, to head a church. And uh, since I came to the church, there have been massive improvements in the church. In infrastructure, spiritually, raising up people as leaders. You no, know, it has happened. Now, imagine that I didn't come to the Gambia. The Baptist church would have been dead. I went to UK in 1997, and my friends said, why don't you stay in UK? I said, no, God didn't call me to UK. They said, you are stupid. Right here. They were my seminary mates in Ghana. Some of them went to Switzerland, some came to UK, some went to America. So those of them who went to UK, they called me, and they said, look, my brother, you're here. Yeah. Don't go back to Gambia. I said, why? God has called me to Gambia, not to the UK. So when they couldn't prevail over me, it's okay. Now, I want you to do this. There's a course we all took here to do a master's. So come and do your master's before you remain still in the Gambia. That's how I went to 1998 to do my master's degree. Now, who ran away from his mission? Was going to go to Nineveh. I would have run away to UK, but this time all of you are UK citizens. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I mean, 1997. Like, in it. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, no, God has called me to Gambia. So... Wherever God has called you and God has given you assignments, where it is, you have challenges or no challenges, make sure that the challenges don't override the calling that you have from God. So I came back 
And I went to do my course. God's willing, I did very well. The principal of the school seminary liked me so much because the school is affiliated to the University of Wales. <laughs> and the people were wondering, why did you come back? And yeah, God didn't come to UK or come to Gambia. There's something in Gambia. I said, well, there's something in Gambia. <laughs> the thing is that is for you to know, for me, I believe that God coming to Gambia. So all the challenges I'm facing, God knew I was going to face those challenges. God knew. Whatever challenges I'm facing, God knew I'm going to face challenges. But people can judge you from a distance. Or they don't know how God has called you. And when you are struggling, they think that because you have sinned, that's why you are struggling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not so. My father has called you. That's why, for me, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect man. And nobody can be perfect. Somebody called Jesus, good master. He said, I'm not good. It is only God who is good. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect. God has given me that calling that I can relate with everybody, no matter who you are. And most people cannot do that. They don't have that calling to relate to people. But by the grace of God, I've been here 29 years. I faced challenges. People didn't like me. People hated me. When I started the school, they said, well, why should this start a school? You know, he was brought here to preach and started a school. Some of the people in the church, they reported me to the missionaries. The small money they left in the church, I'm misusing it to start a school. So they just called me to a meeting. They asked me, why did you start a school? Why you misuse the money? Go and raise a stage in the town and begin to proclaim Jesus as Lord. I said, yes, we can do it indirectly because Gambia is a Muslim country. And so they are not aggressive per se, but they frown on people going to a stage and proclaiming gospel. You know, they stone you and then you may have confrontation. You don't take care, you are going to have a problem. But the school system, a kind of a way that is very, very subtle. They just called me and said, why stop the school? and go and preach the gospel. I say, I will not stop the school because the first missionaries who came, they came with school, they came with hospital. It is not only the spiritual, but it must also help the people in their physical needs. Right. They couldn't prevail on, on me. Then they say, well, you better stop the school. Now, supposing I listen to them, they have gone to America. So who's going to lose? We're going to lose. But in spite of all the challenges and all the things people have said, today the school is running and I see people, I go to the banks and today I don't queue in bank. Anywhere I go, I see my past students. In the course of law, I see my past students. And what also gives all joy, there are some people who cannot pay fees. They cannot pay fees. When President Jame was in power, there were some military people that he arrested whose kids were in my school, put them to jail. And their parents, their mother came to me. They cried in my office that, no, we cannot pay fees. But now, then I remember that when I couldn't pay fees, my principal did out of the school. So I also said, look, you cannot pay fees. But that's not a problem. Go and let your child go to school. So that's how the kids went today. One of them, the man died though, but one of the child is in China doing the computer engineering. One of them, we put him to university, is now in a military academy. And they're going to sponsor him to do medical medicine and from next year. And their name on and on and on. They went to school free because their father was in jail. Now, suppose they're inside the school. These kids would have dropped out and yeah. there would be nobody in it. If God gives you an assignment, don't let the challenges overwhelm you. Oh, crap. I mean, God called Jesus to come and redeem the world. And he didn't, he didn't have it eat. Even his own disciples betrayed him. I believe that if God has called you, and I believe that God has called me, not from challenges, but God overlooks the challenges. And God helps you in the challenges. So I had challenges, but the assignment God gave me, he didn't allow me to make the challenges overweigh me and sit down and think that I've lost. Yeah. So the assignment I know is God's given assignment. So I look at assignments more than challenges. 
So I was listening to a preaching by Sarah Jakes Roberts, T.D. Jakes' daughter, and it's titled An Inconvenience. He said that purpose is not about convenience. Are you willing to be inconvenienced, to be aligned in obedience? Inconvenience is nothing as long as you are doing what God is asking you to do. She said, I don't mind being inconvenient for glory. Purpose is connected to deliverance. Purpose is the thing that I do on there that requires me to meet God the most. Is what I know allows God to work through me to set someone else free. So she's saying that sometimes you have to be inconvenienced. Your inconvenience is helping somebody. Your inconvenience is setting somebody free. Your inconvenience is going to be able to support somebody. So sometimes you have to be inconvenienced for another person to be okay. And that's what I see in your story. Like you inconvenienced yourself a lot for other people to be better. It's just like seeing someone falling in a ditch. Even if you had an appointment, you have to stop your car. If you're a human being, you will stop your car or whatever you're doing and then go and help that person. You inconvenience yourself, just make sure that someone's life is safe. And that's what she did. Even being a pastor, even having the school, I feel like you inconvenience yourself a lot to save other people. Whilst we were at home, mama had to take care of us. She was a housewife for a couple of years before she started working. But that's the inconvenience that we also had to face so that other people are better. And even though at that time, for me, I was like, why is my dad not around? I have stuff to do at school. I want him to come and things like that. But I think you had a greater vision. Now we understand the vision was greater than you, than even us. And so at that point, we eventually understand, we do understand now. But at that point in our lives, we didn't really understand why you go out at 7 a.m. and not be back till like midnight just because there was work to be done. A lot of people's lives have been transformed just because of the work that you're doing. And by every corner, I say that there are so many lives that are connected to you. And then you not breaking that barriers make other people not break their own barriers. So you breaking barriers will make other people that are connected break their own barriers as well. But when you don't break your own barrier, the people that are aligned to you will not be able to. And some of those things that are aligned to you, you don't even know them. I don't even know who is been aligned, attached to my life, who is being sent my way by God. I don't know them. You know, it's when I hit that challenge, when I face that struggle, or when I take that step of faith, that's when I'll know who those people are. And so a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives have been saved. If you're in Ghana or you have stayed in Ghana and said, what is Gambia? What am I come to do? A lot of people's lives should not have been transformed today as they are being right now. You know, it'll be a different story today. I was even going to say there's even now, there are a lot of people that even look down on Gambia as a country. I don't know why, but I feel like for me, when I look at other people in other countries, I feel like for us, we've achieved, even us as sisters, as a family, we've achieved more than even those that are in a little more developed country in Africa than even us in Gambia. I don't know why people, they look at it like a small country, what is there? There's nothing. And people are probably complaining a lot, but I feel like there's so much achievement and things that people are able to do, even in that small country, that if they were in other African countries, they might not be able to achieve or be where they are today. For me, I love Gambia and Gambia is home, so I don't know. What lessons have you learned in life? I didn't come to Gambia with money. I came to Gambia with faith. Yeah, because when I came to Gambia, my first salary was $750. That's my first salary. For a month? Yeah, for a month, my first salary. I was supposed to report on the 4th of December and I came on the 20th. The judge council said that because I came late, my salary was supposed to be 150 So they gave me half for the salary. Your salary was supposed to be $1,500. $1,500. Dollars. And they said because I came late, they gave me $750 dollars for salary. That's was a decision of the church council, not the church. 
So the missionaries, the two ladies in the board, said that that decision was too harsh. So they came around the board and gave me some money to take care of the family. Now, I didn't come with money. I came with faith, and faith moves mountains. So I came with a big bang with faith that, look, without money, we can do what wants me to do. So I started with what little I have in the school or in the church coffers to do it. So one day, I drew a plan for the primary school, and I showed it to the church one Sunday that this is what we are going to build. We were just about like in the church. Membership was just about 30. So the people in the church looked at themselves, looked at their finances, and they said that I was too ambitious. How could the church build 14 classrooms, one-story building, when we're just like 35 people and our money is not much? So the Sunday I showed them the plan, the leader of the missionary in the Gambia came to my office, came to my home. Not some after church, he came to my house. And you know what he told me? The plan is laudable, but I'm sorry you don't have the money. How can you push this much church to build this kind of thing? And I said, God will provide. So don't worry. God will help us to build that school. And if the man was here, he would have seen that we have built it. So I came with faith. And through that faith, that helped me to establish what I have established today. So I think that I've learned that it is not what you have. You may not have. You may have. And when God is leading you, he always wants you to have. But I mean, God has given everybody something to hold, a talent. God has given everybody a talent. It could be five talents, with one talent, it could be ten talents. God has given everybody something. So it is for you to identify what God has given you and hold on to it. You see, so this is my lesson that I've learned. And I believe that God has given me no money, but has given me faith yeah. to hold on to that faith, that God is able to provide. So that's what I did. And I, I was able to raise the school from nursery to primary, to junior, to high school, and now to a school that we are doing London GCE. My lesson is that everybody must have faith. So what the Bible says, without faith, no one can please God. Without faith, you cannot go nowhere. God asked Moses, telling him, what is in your hand? He said, rod. Moses thought that rod was too small to do something. But without small rod, Moses was able to split the sea into two. So by all means, God has placed something in your hand. So when I see people thinking that God has given me nothing in my hand, God has given us something. Because he said in his way that he has given us everything that pertains to life. You just have to know what God has given you. He may not give you money, but he has given you hands. May God give you hands, he has given you a heart. May not give you a heart, he has given you a brain. He may not give you a brain, he has given you a feet. So know what God has given you. I know God has given you faith. That's what I use to develop what I have today. I feel like it's the same even with me. First of all, even moving to U.S. was a step of faith for me. I believe that God directed me. A lot of people had questions as to why I was moving. Even when I started Barrier, because it was like, I didn't really have much. I had to just go on and do it. I was not earning that much for me to do anything. But now, with every step of faith that I take, God always increases. God always adds more to me. I feel like I'm in a better job than I was when I started Barrier because I don't know what the next few years is going to be like for me, but I feel like I'm in a better place more than I was when I started. And so with faith, you can move mountains, like you said. With faith, God is there to help and guide. I have two more questions before we finish. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you were younger? <laughs> I'm from a long way. And for me, I've been a hustler all my life. But I'd wished that my parents would have at least pushed me or I would have gone very far. I didn't say that they didn't push me, but they were like ignorant. Yeah. I wish that they would have known that if I pushed this boy, he would have gone further. 
half brothers were very good in school, but because they didn't continue school, they didn't finish school. Well, I wish that my parents would have helped me. It's like a key they have given you to open doors. Don't misuse it. Even my parents gave me that opportunity to go to school. By this time, I am a professor in a university in the, across the world. So I wouldn't blame my parents because they were poor, they were ignorant, and they were illiterate. So they didn't know. And I wish they knew the value of education. Are you the only educated amongst the whole family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm the only one who, not educated, but the only one who went to secondary school. In all my father's children, A to Z, I'm the only one who went to secondary school. And the only one who have graduated up to master degrees. I'm the only one. That's why I'm trying to help my other brother's children to bring them up, to help them. That they can also have education like I have education, you know. So the challenge is big, you know. Were you the last born? Yeah, I was the last born. My father, what I saw is that he had children with like maybe four different women. And my mother was the last. And I'm the last of the children. Oh, wow. How many in the whole family on your dad's side? They used to joke with me that I'm the, the second child. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they used to joke with me that I'm the, the second child. I don't know. But if I counted, it could be true. If you had four wives and all of them have five children, 20 or so. But on your mom's side, how many are you? We have five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I follow Francis' mother. What advice can you give to someone who feels like life is hard? I can't move on. I can't break barriers. I can't do this. You know, let me just settle and stay. Life is a hard knot. And they say that it is not for the swiftest, but it's for the people who can persevere. You have to persevere in life. I went through a lot in life. In fact, I'm writing a book entitled, This is My Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my story. I went through a lot. And I'm happy I went through that. I'll be able to help others who are going through life. Now, life is not like easy. And you must begin to have a vision because the Bible says that without vision, the people perish. You must have a vision. Don't steal people's vision. Everybody has his own vision. I cannot preach like Billy Graham. I cannot preach like T.D. Jakes. But what I can do, what God has given me to do, T.D. Jakes cannot do. Do you understand me? I'm not belittling T.D. Jakes. But what God has given me to do, T.D. Jakes cannot do. And what God has given T.D. Jakes to do, I cannot do. Yeah. So follow the vision that God has given you. Follow the calling that God has given you. Identify the calling and follow it. And you're successful. All the fingers are equal. There are people who are not like TDJX, but they are also doing work that is equally as important as what TDJ is doing. For instance, in the Gambia here, there are people who are translating the Bible into various languages, like Madinka, Wolof, and so on and so forth. Now, they may not be popular per se in the eyes of man, but for me, what they are doing, translating the Bible into other languages, now, the Bible is now on audio. Yeah. Where even somebody who has not been schooled can listen to the message in his own language, in the Gambia, in the villages. Yeah. And maybe because the person has translated, the person, nobody even identifies him. They don't give him tights. They don't give him off it. hasn't got a car. But what he is doing in his own small way in the Gambia, a lot of people are now hearing the gospel in their own language. Now, T.D. Jackson is preaching in English. The person in the village who is not school cannot listen to it, cannot hear English. But this guy is translating the language into Maninka, into Wolof, into Jola. I went to a village where I saw a man, an old man, who has never got education. And he has got his wireless or lots of body. And he was listening to the gospel in his own language. 
And he could tell you everything. He cannot read and write, but he could tell you everything that from Genesis to Revelation because he's hearing. So what I'm trying to say is that the guy who translated the Bible into the world of a task that he's doing is as big as what the is doing. So what I'm trying to say is that whatever God has given you, no matter how small it is, do it and do it well. That's it. And God has given everybody something to do that. Yeah. There's nobody who is useless. There's nobody who hasn't got a talent. Your talent could be one, it could be two, it could be five, it could be ten. That's why some people have churches that have about 15 sitter, 15,000 sitter. Someone has a church that is only 300 people or 200 people inside it. Whatever God has given you, take it and do it well. And follow your vision, follow your assignment that God has given you. That's what I want to advise you. Yeah, like the Bible says, the little that has been given to you, if you're not able to take care of it, it can be taken away from you. So whatever you do, again, the Bible also says, do it as unto the world. So put in your best work, make sure there's excellence, do it right, do it the way God wants it to be done. So that at the end of the day, we are bringing excellence to the table. People's lives are being impacted and you are changing the world one step at a time. We are breaking barriers one step at a time. Thank you for this interview, for coming on here. I am grateful. You breaking barriers. Your story is amazing, impacting other people's lives out there. I know if we are supposed to bring all of them here, we can't even fit them in one place because a lot of people have a lot of things to say about you. And we are so grateful. My sister and I are so grateful for you. Your life is a testament. We can see what God has used you Mm. for. And we pray that God will continue to bless you and keep you, strengthen you, bring you millions and millions of dollars. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for being on here. We are so grateful. You're welcome. I'm grateful. I see the vision in all of you. Like Hannah is very passionate about this music school. The last show was excellent. It was awesome. It was, I was really shocked that the way they performed, oh, it was good. It's just a matter of taking the vision and running with it. That's it. You don't have the money, but the vision can give you money. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we thank God for your life too. And I'm praying, I, I've told you people that next year, 2022 onwards is our year of multiplication. Amen. God is going to multiply us. I had a dream when I went to Ghana this year. In that dream, I saw that, like I was in a farming situation, and I lifted up some like a farm, and I lifted up a lead. And it's not a lead, farm, but things were growing very well. But because it was covered, nobody could see what is happening. And I noticed that there's a demon, there's a devil that has put a place, a lead on our progress. We're doing very well, but nobody's seeing it. So my prayer is that the Lord, like God, lifted up the stone from the grave of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Lifted up the stone. Jesus commanded the stone from the grave of Lazarus. This year, that stone will be raised. And what we are doing with show, and the glory of the Lord shall come upon us. Amen. And the whole world should know that God has called us. God bless you. Wish you a prosperous 2022. Amen. On that note, we end this podcast. Thank you, thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the BB Corner Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in the Gambia, West Africa. 
que estés 